Greetings, friends. Welcome back to Critically Acclaimed, the film review podcast where good taste and bad taste collide. No gossip this time around. My name is Whitney Seibold. I'm a film critic. I contribute to Slash Film. With me, as always, is my far more scintillating, far more energetic co-host. I need, need to get a little caffeine in me during this uh, this particular podcast. A little low energy. But you are high energy. Yes. Say something so it sounds like I'm not talking y- to myself. Yes, right. I am high energy. <laughs> I am very high energy William, today. introduce yourself. Hi, my name is William Bibiani. Mm-hmm. I am a film critic. I write for the... Hold on a second. I write for the rap. This is an idiotic film. Everybody calls me Bibs. Here's your problem. Somebody set this thing to boring. We're not boring. We're quite scintillating. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us here at Critically Acclaimed. What are we reviewing this week, William? That's right. This is our movie review podcast here at the Critically Acclaimed Network. And this week, we're reviewing... Wow, is it January? (laughs) Yeah. We are reviewing the new releases ISS, The Kitchen, The End We Start From, and Founder's Day. Yeah, yeah, all, all, all those big hits. If, if you heard that everyone, everyone's talking about, everyone in the room was like, "Yeah, the time has come, Founders Day." Um, that's also worth noting, and we're not gonna because we already talked about it on other podcasts. Uh, probably the bigger release this week, this last week, uh, was because as I've said before, January really stinks for film critics, but for everyone but film critics. It's usually a pretty good time because all of like the art house and Oscar hopeful movies that had very limited runs at the end of the year that we saw already yeah, and reviewed start yeah. opening wide. And so now everybody can see them. And mm-hmm. this last week, Ava DuVernay's Origin was probably the biggest release that did that. And Which well, we reviewed and I quite like Whitney loved it. I admire it, I think, more than I love it. Mm. I think as a film it does very fascinating things, but I don't always think it, it, it works. But it conveys interesting ideas. It starts a wonderful conversation. Uh, it should not be the end of that conversation, but it starts a very good conversation. And if you haven't read the book it's based on, you should absolutely check it out. So, all of these movies we're going to review and may or may not be enthusiastic about. And you're like, oh, should I see anything this week? Origin is out there. At Sea Origin. You should see Origin. Sea Origin because it's really good. Yeah, I'm not even that huge on it, but I, even I think you should see it. Like, it's mm-hmm. definitely worth seeing. So, brief endorsement before we move in. Um, the biggest release this week that we're going to be reviewing is a film called ISS, which stands for International Space Station. And it is a film about... Hang on. Stick with me here. Now, this is going to blow your mind. Chuck E. Cheese. What? No, that's, I was thinking. I was trying to think of like, like something the, funny. Is yeah, like P I Z Z, but I S S. No, I don't. Know, I don't know where it was. I, it, <laughs> it's about the international space. It's about the international space. I thought maybe, I was like, I'll come up with something completely random, oh, and then yeah. that will be a funny joke. And uh, mm. you know, sometimes they're not. Uh, no, ISS is about the International Space Station, and the International Space Station is a space station uh, that is international, which is to say. Uh, People go up to the space station, they live there, they come from different countries in order to perform various types of research. There's a lot of research that can be performed better in anti-gravity mm-hmm. that can be performed in, in regular gravity uh, for reasons that I've been assured make sense. <laughs> um, 
Okay, clearly you don't go to, like, air and space museums, you're not interested in astronomy. I've been or to an air and space museum. physics, that kind I, of stuff. I am interested in the sky. Okay. You're not interested in the International Space Station? I'm, I'm vaguely interested. Yeah. I don't think it's disinteresting. Okay. Uh, I just, it, I've never really gone it, out of my way to learn a lot about it. I, I, I like space shit. Uh, I, I love going to <laughs> air and space museums. I love things about space. I love yeah. spacecraft. I love things about the planets. I read books about the planets to my son. Love all that. Astronomy mm. is great. Yeah. Uh, International Space Station was launched in the late 90s. It was launched in 1998. It's been up there ever since. Uh, an entire international cohort of astronauts goes up and down there occasionally uh, to you observe might... the planet or to do research, or the, all yeah. the you know, study the heavens. You might remember in the movie Armageddon, it's where Peter Stormare lived. I haven't seen the movie Armageddon. Oh, that's right, you haven't. No, <laughs> seen. I, 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 I'm actually not even sure that's true. I think that might have that movie might have actually come out before the International Space Station uh, was done. It, it, I think it was like right when it was being launched. It was, it was right really topical time. Yeah. at the time. Uh, no, I, I saw uh, Michael Bay's movie The Rock in 1996 uh, when I was like 17 years old. Right when I was the right age to get into a movie like that. Yeah, you know. And, and I hated it so much. Yeah. I just gave up on action movies in general pretty much the rest of my life. Like, The Rock ruined me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are the only film critic I know with that story. Not that mm. everyone loves The Rock, mm. but it's just like, yeah, I saw like a really bombastic action movie when I was a teenager, mm. and then I said I don't like action movies anymore. Yeah. I don't, that, that's not a common tale. No, I suppose not. And I love you for that. And, you know, so do, do something interesting with an action movie. Sure. I'll, I'll be all over that crap. Yeah. I like good action movies. Indeed. But there are so few of them. <laughs> I like more than you do, yeah. but yeah, it's it's. It, oh look, it, another it motorcycle chase! <laughs> but I wonder if they'll catch up. Uh, anyway, anyway, the International Space Station uh, has, uh, I think, uh, like Norway and Canada, like a, a bunch of countries, are allowed access to the International Space Station. Uh, this is a topical ISS movie mm-hmm. uh, because it's about uh, six astronauts mm-hmm. on board the ISS. Three of them are American, yes. and three of them are Russian. <gasps> And it takes place in kind of a, like, next week. Yeah. It's like, like not it, too distant future. N- not now, but also yeah. not, th- th- there's nothing um, futuristic about it. Yeah, and, and it's, it's also not exactly like the ISS in that they uh, have equipped this International Space Station with, like, little foot cups. Mm. So you can s- stick your toes in it and pretend like you're standing on the floor. Which makes yeah. it really easy if Which you're an actor. It, yeah. So uh, when, when you're standing around a table... And the characters are all leaning on it with their elbows in zero gravity. You can kind of give it a pass. Uh, it's like they're, they're like oh, I need to like get a load off and let, let gravity take my wait. There's zero gravity. Do you remember uh, uh, in the Danny Boyle movie Sunshine, which oh, took place yeah. all on a spaceship? Uh, there was apparently one shot that was supposed to be. I think it was even like a still frame that was like the whole crew in zero gravity, sort of looking, smiling at the camera. And they couldn't afford to, like, put them in zero gravity for that. So they said, like, how do we get them to look like they're in zero gravity without being in zero gravity? And apparently the answer was unicycles. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Just make it a little wobbly, out. like, um, in And various uh, filmmakers have shot z- zero gravity in interesting ways. Yeah. Um, Stanley Kubrick famously dangled his actors from a cable and then shot them from below. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of like wobbling around. Yeah. Uh, in that movie Space Cowboys, the Clint Eastwood film, you yeah. know, the one nobody saw, um, he did nothing. 
He just, he just like hired a he just hired a movement coach and had them like kind of yeah. move as if they're in zero gravity. You know, which it is called effect, acting. Yeah, which is that effective enough. In this one, yeah. it's mostly that. It's mostly movement. Yeah. And they and there's yeah. a lot of uh, clever shots of them. They're clearly suspended by cables, but they're using special effects to erase the cables. Yeah, and uh, and it looks great. Yeah, you be, so there are various movies and things that have filmed in zero gravity, but mm-hmm. they usually dunk up the space. If you fly like a a well, jet. It's, it's one of those jets that go. It like reads an apogee and then starts diving down, and for a few seconds, that's yeah. like zero g. Uh, if you want to see the coolest thing that anyone ever did with that, uh, look at the OK Go music video for Upside Down and Inside Out because mm. they filmed it entirely on that jet in one take. It, they oh, took multiple right. takes to do it, but the only then there was no cutting, yeah, and they came up with so many fun zero g things to do. It's really cool. It, it's something that like. <clears throat> only millionaires do is like a oh, tourist yeah. thing yeah, yeah absolutely it's like here's a video of matt green well matt greening can afford to do it well, yeah. he's a millionaire uh so iss takes place entirely aboard the international space station the biggest star in the film is uh adriana De- uh sorry ariana, De- ariana, ariana debose De- i don't know how yeah. i did that ariana debose uh but also chris messina uh mm-hmm. is in it as well and uh, oh who's that guy from game of thrones hold on the, oh the danish to... actor yeah 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 uh his name is um uh pilau as pilau as bake Asbeck? Uh, yeah, yeah. He's a really uh, good actor. I like him a lot. And and you've seen Pilau Asbeck. Yeah. He's just been in... He's been the guy who looks like that in a lot of movies. <laughs> he he was Pontius Pilate in that really horrendous uh, Ben-Hur remake. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. yeah. No, nobody did. It's one of the biggest bombs I love of that you time. saw that, but not Armageddon. That makes me really happy. <laughs> well, you see, by the time I'm a professional, yeah. I'm willing to swallow the pill. In 1998, ah. I was just in college, and I didn't... Okay have to see it got it so i didn't got it so if i start like a michael bay podcast that we have to do i will not agree to that <laughs> besides i've seen most of michael bay's film i, know, I haven't I seen know. armageddon and the first transformers and that's kind of it i've seen the rest yeah, of them it's fine anyway oh, on, on those bad boys movies i haven't seen those either oh, yeah. um anyway uh so the they're on the iss and uh, that's not the whole movie it's not like a documentary uh they're on the iss and the the plot is this well, it's, it, it's worth noting that they're scientists. Yes, they're all scientists. And they're part of this international uh, conglomerate. Like, they're working together to study. Yeah. It's like an exchange program. They're studying diseases and, and, and radiation, and the, all that stuff. A big conceit of the ISS is that there are no countries there. Everyone yeah. is just sort of working toward uh, more scientific knowledge. It's yeah. very Star Trek. There's, there's this part in the movie where there's like a, there's like a window at the bottom of the mm. space station, if such a thing can be said, uh, that you see the planet, and they talk about how some people see the planet from up on high, and they have this epiphany. It's like, wow, there are no borders. Mm. You know, like, yeah. it, it really blows your mind to see all of the world uh, sort of in focus like that. Uh, which sets you up for the plot. And the plot, and I will say this, this is a good high-concept plot. Mm. Three Russian astronauts, or cosmonauts, and three uh, American astronauts are on a space station they're getting along. Everything's going great. They look out the window and see nuclear bombs going off all over the planet. <laughs> and, and, the, and the Earth is wasted. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, through, it's like it's from, on fire. From that part of the rest, on from the rest of the movie, there's just this big black fiery strip around the whole planet. Like, yeah. they've wiped out a, a huge chunk of it. Like, that's genuinely terrifying. Yeah. Like, that's that's one hell of a concept. And, and now they're, like, they, they don't know what's going on. Nobody has briefed them on this because yeah. they're not the top priority. And... When they reach out to try to get some kind of information, the Americans get a message and the Russians get a message. The Americans get a message that says, 
secure the International Space Station for America by any means necessary. Mm -hmm. And the Russians get a message that says, secure the International Mm -hmm. Space Station for Russia by any means necessary. And now these are good people, and they're deciding... Do we, now, ever, do we even do that? Now they're, now they're essentially at war with each yeah. other, just these six people. And some um, of them are, are thinking, okay, I have responsibility, I have to do this. And a lot of them are like, no. Yeah. But then uh, if one person goes for it, now it's we're, we're stuck in a mm-hmm. horrible situation. Uh, there is a lot of uh, political and moral territory that could have been explored here. Yeah. Uh, I'm picturing Rod Serling writing something like this. I was thinking this too. Like, this is a Twilight Zone or even an Outer Limits episode. Mm. This could have been really intense. A little more Outer Limits-ish, but, um, yeah, the idea that we are going to explore war with only six people and they're in space. Like, there's no... Like a microcosm. There's no territory to fight over. There's nothing really at stake. They just hate each other because of jingoism. Yeah. And it would have been great if this film had kind of explored that jingoism a little bit. Mm-hmm. S- shown how this kind of idealized Star Trek environment mm-hmm. broke down into uh, petty nationalist tendencies. And, and to do that, you would also have to set up in the first part of the movie that although everyone's working together, there are... Uh, what 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 do you want to say? Like prejudices or resentments or uh, things that people are tamping down. Mm. You know, they're they're trying to get over them, but they're still there. And then once the, the or, or not, cork on like that. it it seems really kind of peaceful. Well, so and then as does, soon as the so, the, the yeah. cork pops, then yeah, then you say, oh wait, there's actually some darkness that we didn't reveal before. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, sadly, it just kind of turns into a bit of a rote thriller yeah uh people are hiding out where can we hide on the space station i need to go fix this on the outside of the ship oh no someone's taking control of the arm and they're gonna knock me into space uh all of which is excitingly filmed i, I like this <coughs> the me. space setting i kind of hate space the setting of space okay. the space setting okay <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah. i like all you know all, all that Na- nasa stuff is cool yeah uh and Unfortunately, that's kind of it. Um, th- there's there's no, uh, like, we need to take this territory. We've claimed this much for Russia. We've claimed this much for America. That would have been kind of foolish. That would have been Cording off and fighting yeah. off for, like, territory. There's no fighting like, over resources. Like, you tape resources. it off like an Isle of Lucy episode. Yeah, this is our yeah. half of the space tape. That would have been great. And, like, they're fighting over, like, moving the tape. And it's like, this is what humanity has become. Uh, there's no big twist. Like, they're, like no. and they're, like, the last six people alive. And they're still yeah. fighting over it. Like, nothing yeah. like that. It's yeah. um, it's all pretty straightforward. And the, you do find, uh, end up learning later on in the movie what the fight is all about. Like, what they're fighting over the reason then, why the space station matters yeah, because why theoretically it shouldn't ordered. but um yeah i'm, I'm kind of with you on this this is the kind of movie I, I was really struggling watching this movie because on one hand i really want to support this type of movie mm. this is a high concept mid, mid, genre thriller mid-budget genre yeah, film from with, the studio with like yeah. a good cast uh with you know it's not like a hugely expensive movie but it's also not cheap there's a, there's a definite like marquee theatricality to it, yeah. You know, all on the space station, a whole action thriller on the space station. That's exciting, but it's just not enough. Like it's a great setup. Like it's a great setup for a thirty or sixty minute episode of television. <laughs> they just there's not the extra tweak. There's not like the one extra thing that happens like halfway through the movie or two thirds yeah. of the way through the movie that sends this into another direction, and it's not so intense. That 
the basic premise can hold it. Like, hmm. Gravity is basically a one-thing-happens movie. <laughs> like, a, but a whole it, cloud but of so space... excitingly yeah. filmed. Well, yeah. a whole cloud of space debris destroys, like, this, the space shuttle and the space station or whatever that uh, Sandra Bullock and George Clooney were on. He gets shot out into space. And now she's trapped, just floating in space debating whether or not trying to survive is even worth bothering. <laughs> I love that movie. And that movie comes up with a lot of ways to make that exciting, intense, make it look visually dynamic from a bunch of different angles. Seeing that movie in a theater and getting that sense of like the enormity of space mm. uh, was really quite uncanny. Uh, but with ISS, ultimately, it just quickly turns into, with aside, aside from a few space gags... Uh, any claustrophobic thriller. Yeah. Any claustrophobic paranoid thriller to, be fair, to um, one degree or another. The, the screenplay is at least good about setting things up, like yeah. mentioning, oh, I have this thing under my desk and that's going to come into play later. Yeah. Uh, hey, we're going to... And there's like a, a little bit of a symbol with the mice, which is really obvious. There's yeah. some mice that they're studying in Zero Gravity. Yeah. Um, and that's as clever as it gets. Mm-hmm. There's one bit that they, I think they don't pay off, but they set up really hard, where it's like, oh, hey, I got you like a welcome gift. Um, it's like a little keychain, and it's made from the same stuff we use in our tethers in space. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, so this will save their life at some point. I don't think it did. It did. Oh, it did? Okay. Yeah. Um, it, it was used in a ver- rather violent fashion. Oh, that was they, what they used for That's that. what they used for. Oh, yeah. never mind. Uh, <laughs> they did pay it off. Okay. I, yeah, they, they set it up and they paid it off. It, okay. in, Fair enough. Kind of an uns- unsatisfying way, I'd say. No, no, I, you, you but, clearly, uh, yeah. I'll say this. When you're trying to attack someone in zero gravity, you can't really, like, hit them. Well, you'll yeah. Just put, you can't... Your your fist won't go that fast. Yeah. And they'll you'll just push them away. It's With, not... Without saying who is involved, there's only six characters mm. and the events that transpire, there is one scene in the movie that's actually, like, a zero gravity fight. Yeah. Like, like and, and not, like, a playful, like, an actual, like, we're trying to hurt each other fight. And you see in that scene why this is such a tricky premise to film because mm. it doesn't look exciting. Mm. You're, it looks novel because you don't usually see that, but it they're they're really struggling to make it look really really tense and exciting. And indeed, they cut away from it as much as they possibly can because that's where the thrills are: is people watching the fight. Um, yeah, I want to like this movie more than I do. I, it's not a bad movie. I, I, I'm oh, hesitant no, to call it that. It's just never hits that other level. Yeah, there's not... And I, I can safely say there's not, like, the big twist ending that you're looking yeah. for. There's not a big They're reveal at the, the end. by the Cloverfield monster. Uh, yeah, or, or just, yeah. just some, something that happens at the end that changes the events of the film that happened before. And, and uh, yeah. something like that merely doesn't happen. And it's not... It doesn't feel like it's heading that way, but yeah. it would have been nice if we had it. Well, I just think, you, I don't know if you need a twist at the end. I think you need something to kick it into high gear halfway through the movie or two-thirds of the way through the movie. Because once the conflict hits a point where they're actually in conflict with each other, mm-hmm. that's kind of the movie. And there just isn't that extra level. Like, there's a risk that the space station itself might, like, actually be damaged and destroyed, but that's also introduced right at the beginning. There's just not that other extra thing. And I think the, there's one plot point where they tried it, but it didn't work. Hmm. It's the kind of movie that is basically just... It's a claustrophobic thriller in an odd location. 
and they had a great setup for it and just the follow through was kind of just okay but i kept watching while i was watching this movie imagining like harlan ellison writing this in the 1960s yeah. and how absolutely fucking amazing it would be if the script had something really like kind of ironic or bitter really or, really or intense on its, some something on its mind because mm-hmm. it just seems like the idea that it's america versus russia Mm-hmm. Uh, which, you know, sadly, there's still some topicality to that, at least politically. Um, it, it doesn't have the intensity, that fiery intensity that mm. it would in a Cold War era. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so it just doesn't feel like it's like explosive. Mm. Like, it's not It's not like we're playing with dynamite here. It's actually like, no, we were just playing, and then you, then you like, gave us some dynamite which is <laughs> not the same thing i don't know i'm, so, I'm not, bit I'm of not strange analogy there but yeah uh, I, it really got away from me i hopefully right. I'm, I hopefully I'm, I'm articulating myself um yeah it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a disappointment um speaking of disappointment uh let's oh. talk about uh, are you not done yet well i, I it, it occurred to me that ariana debose has an academy award <clears throat> yeah she does and uh one of the other american actors has like a tony's like the guy from spring awakening oh so this is a '70s thriller in that regard too, like when, <laughs> like when Gene Hackman was slumming. Oh yeah, starting like marooned. a space thriller. You know, yeah. it's like, okay, we got some slumming award-winning actors here. Uh, you know, you look let at... let them cook. You know, well, let you... let them dig in. Like let, let, them, let them let them act. Like give get, them get something to big, chop on. Yeah, yeah, big to do with their part. Because honestly, like I get the impression that like someone like Ariana DeBose, who again, fresh off an Academy Award, probably had if if not their pick. Probably had a lot of options. Mm. And they went with this. And I think it's a high concept. You know, it was on the Hollywood Blacklist, which is like the yearly list of the best unproduced screenplays. Uh, it had some some energy behind it. But one gets the impression this might have been the kind of thing. Because I think some people think that every actor picks their roles, assuming they have the, enough clout to pick their roles, uh, based off of some kind of tr- a career trajectory. Also, I think sometimes you do it because it's fun. <laughs> like I remember someone was telling a story about Elijah Wood and someone was like sort of joking about how they were in Flipper uh-huh. uh, which is a movie version of the Dolphin TV series that came out in the 90s with Elijah Wood and Paul Hogan but he um, was like a teenager he was still pretty young yeah he was a kid he was a kid and someone was like oh you were you, Flipper ha 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 and Elijah was like hey let me tell you something about Flipper I got to spend an entire summer hanging out with a dolphin <laughs> I do not regret that at all. <laughs> I haven't seen Flipper. I can't speak to its quality. I can't either, but I understand why an act, and that, that really put things in context for me because actors get to do a lot of fun stuff mm-hmm. in some of their movies. You know, like you get to learn how to ride horses. You get to learn. You, you get to like jump off of airplanes. Yeah. yeah, you get to learn how to martial arts. You get, you get to learn and do a lot of interesting experiences. Getting to make a movie that where like you get to play an astronaut and you get to float around in space a lot, I can appreciate that that would be an exciting, you know, prospect. I'm going to spend my time doing this. Hmm. I just wish the material was as fun as it pro- as it probably was making it. Yeah, that's that's something well, where like well, my, my parents fun. always used to say that. Like I always get the impression that if they enjoyed making the movie, they probably put all that enjoyment into the making of it than the actual end result. Yeah, yeah, a lot of actors can have fun on a movie, and that doesn't necessarily translate to the screen. Yeah, uh, 
especially if they're drinking heavily. Well, uh, we're, we're not talking about I've, Ariana DeBose. No, no, no. I'm, <laughs> I'm talking about I'm talking about any any number of uh, Richard uh, Harris, uh, Oliver uh, Reed. You you you've all heard the tales. Yeah, I I saw a movie called The Visitor. First of all, see The Visitor. I'm oh, not yeah. going to describe it to you because it's bug nuts it's insane. indescribable it's, not, it's, and uh, this is not the um the oscar nominated one with um with richard uh, Rid, Rid, uh richard that <laughs> jenkins. guy richard, richard jenkins. jenkins yeah uh thank you no this this is a movie from the late 70s with shelly winters and john houston oh. and uh lance Henriksen is in it yeah and it's about uh, a war between over the soul of the Antichrist between demons and uh, Jesus deities from space. Uh, you remember more than I do. And, I'm not even sure that's clear. <laughs> that happens in the movie. And, and okay. Sam Peckinpah is in the movie. He acts in the movie. Yeah. And he is so drunk that they had to dub his lines. Oh, wow. Like, I mean, Sam Peckinpah wasn't in a good spot at that point in his yeah, life. So I'm, I'm career, hesitant yeah. to sort of laugh at him. But no, golly, it's, it's, it's just outrageous that they propped him up on camera yeah. as a doctor in like one scene had him interact with the main character and he was just and you couldn't even could, use the take could, couldn't yeah couldn't yeah. couldn't even bother to be sober for this movie yeah that's uh, like um when you watch um jason robards and like the early 70s version of julius caesar where he plays oh, yeah. uh, i think he plays brutus uh-huh. and you can tell he is reading off a cue cards he's oh, so gotcha. not present yeah, really yeah. rough so um so yeah but that's not actually has anything directly to do with this movie. We kind of got off on a tangent there. I don't want to make no, no, it seem I, like we're saying anything I, about the production of ISS. The point is, ISS, if if it had been, had that kind of like B-movie vibe, mm-hmm. and they're having a lot of fun, and even if they are a little drunk on camera, I don't care. I've seen a lot of B-movies like that. I I would hope that they're more professional than that. Of course. I think, you know, these are award-winning actors. They would be more professional than that. Uh, but if they, if it's, if I sensed that they were having fun, I would have enjoyed this movie a lot more. I don't get that sense. They're no. trying to play it straight. The director, uh, she did uh, Blackfish. Yeah. She did that film, mm-hmm. Our Friend. Um, Gabriella Copperthwaite, I believe is her name. I'm not sure that's um, how you pronounce it, but yeah. Uh, like, n- none of them are bringing sort of the energy that you want them to. No, no. You, you really want this to just really pop and hum along. And um, this is this is one of the reasons why January is such a hard month on critics. It's It's not that, like, nothing comes out. It's hard to have a conversation about them because it's like, mm. yeah, it's okay. Like, how do you really? You want to give it its proper due. You don't want to like not talk about it. Mm. But it's basically just talking about how it's kind of mediocre. Yeah. So I'm gonna just write this one off as kind of mediocre kind right of now. Mediocre. We're gonna move on because we've tried, and uh, <laughs> we ended up talking about Jason Robards. So let's just um, let's move let's on move to on. A, let's move on to another genre film uh, with a political undercurrent that also doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, can Let's, we talk about Founders Day? Oh, you want to talk about Founders Day? Okay, uh, I, I, I thought that could have described a couple of movies this week. <laughs> they're they're trying. They're really they're trying. trying. Yeah. Uh, Founders Day is a slasher movie in the 1980s slasher mold, although it has a little bit more of a scream vibe to it. Oh, it there's definitely a, is following uh, that pattern. Where it, in that it's trying to be kind of self aware about its own kills, um, and it's about a mass killer dressed mm. like a a British judge, like an old. Yeah. Uh, revolutionary well, era judge. Yeah, basically trying to evoke. Because mm. by the way, you when you're you're out of holidays if you're at Founders Day. Founders Day. Yeah. Yeah. You're... That's that's a joke. Like <laughs> yeah. it, during the slasher era, to make fun mm. of Friday the Thirteenth and Halloween, yeah, they would make films like April Fool's Day yeah. or Mother's Day, and those were yeah. like 
kind of satires. Uh, to some extent, April Fool's, April, April, April Fool's Day definitely, yeah. but like, like, but they would they would run through the holidays because it's mm. easy to replicate Halloween, Friday the Thirteenth. We had April Fool's Day. You, you did Silent Night, Deadly Night. Mm. Uh, we had Mother's Day. Um, you didn't have Father's Day, but you had the stepfather. I think that's close. But um, uh, Mad Magazine did a spoof called Arbor Day. Yeah, and honestly, and, uh, Arbor Day writes itself. It's a chainsaw movie, for God's sake. <laughs> or, like, or it's running like, through the woods. Or it's done. like a, a magical druid who can bring trees to life, and the trees chase after people. Sure. Uh, but, like, in any case, this is... The thing about a slasher, and the reason why the slasher genre really took off in earnest, is that once it had been codified... There are definitely movies that precede John Carpenter's Halloween. Mm. Black Christmas, Home for the Holidays, Peeping Tom. Uh, a, a, slew Psycho, of Giallo, yeah. a slew of Giallo movies. Mm. Um, but John Carpenter, with Halloween, made a movie that was incredibly successful, incredibly cheap, and incredibly easy to rip off. It's the basic premise of someone in a mask is killing a bunch of people, most usually young people, in a, in a stalker fashion, like a stalker, sneaking around yeah. and, and jumping out at him and grabbing yeah. him. Yeah, usually in a, in a pretty confined amount of time. A giallo might take place over days or weeks. A slasher is usually just a day or two. Uh, they spend most of the movie not knowing that they're being hunted, and then the climax is when they do, and there you go. And then when you, once you have that framework, you can just drape any kind of skin on that skeleton mm. and the skin can be okay it's a slasher movie but we're in a grocery store yeah, it's, it's a slasher really movie like... but they're all olympians it's a slasher movie that's real uh there's Re- what's the olympic slasher <clears throat> called? oh god what the hell is that called hold on i'm gonna grab that it's not bad actually um hold on call it the five rings murders yeah hold on i'm, I'm gonna look that one up or um or but yeah and, and, in, and even friday the 13th but it's at a summer camp mm. And then that became a cliche unto itself. So Founder's Day is we've gone through all of our skins. We're out of masks. And, <laughs> and now we're just... And, and what's weird about this movie is I feel like they try to do something clever in the middle. I don't think they succeed. But ultimately, it's so just doing the formula. Well, I've seen. I saw a movie kind of recently, um, which was set at a girls' boarding school as a slasher movie, and it was just straight up slasher. There was no twist. Um, what What I admire about slasher movies, Fatal Games, Fatal Games. It was also oh, released as that. The Killing Touch, and uh-huh. it was also released as Olympic Nightmare. Oh, I like Olympic Nightmare yeah. better. Uh, the big The big star on that one was Sally Kirkland. All right. Yeah. No. Um. I saw a movie, a, a slasher movie, a couple of years ago. Uh, just girls boarding school. What I admire about slasher movies is they, um, they kind of lay bare a lot of why we go to the movies. Yeah, uh, there is a prurient side to all of us. There is a, a bloodthirsty side of all of us. A low base a lizard brain inside mm. all of, of all of us that needs to be indulged every once in a while. Yeah. And a slasher movie give. Uh, Gives us like uh, slakes our bloodthirst a little bit. We get to yeah. see death. Yeah. Uh, we get to be bitter about it, and we get to also face death in sort of a humorous way. Yeah. Especially when we're teenagers, we're watching that. Oh, ha, ha, someone's getting killed. That's 
fun. There's a, mm-hmm. a it's putting like a fun spin on mayhem. Yeah, uh, and if, some of them will want it to be yeah. taken more seriously than others, yeah, but, but uh, the majority tend to do this in the spirit of we're all here to have a good time. This is a carnival yeah, ride, and, and that's and the then, other lizard brain thing it gives you. The sort of I like being startled. Yeah, being startled is a big part of it, yeah. and uh, there's also a reason why there's a lot of sex in these movies. Yeah, that's part of your lizard brain. I want to see nude people, mm-hmm. and I also want to see people get sliced up. Uh, put that all in a movie. Is is that kind of a revolting impulse to uh, indulge in? In the abstract, uh, yeah. In the abstract, perhaps. But I yeah. think it, it also gets to why we like to go to the movies. Because there's something in feature films that is kind of feeding our dark dreams back to us. Yeah. And really, any uh, popular genre has, if, if not lizard brain, it's mm-hmm. keying into something. Yeah, we, Romantic we were... comedies are, want us to feel reassured mm-hmm. about not being alone and yeah. finding someone to share our life uh, with. They're, they're, that's also like a, a kind of a basic need yeah well you know? and uh the reason i like slasher movies over something like action pictures uh, is because they're they bo- they're both indulging our need to see violence mm-hmm. the action pictures are also about violence there's more murders in action pictures than in a lot of slashers generally speaking yeah uh, james bond and, probably kills more people in a typical bond film than jason does yeah yeah um i think the biggest number for jason was like 13 james uh, bond blows uh, no, up no. bases or something no, no, no. Like, uh, jason actually destroys the space station that's true, but we don't we don't see those people, so it's still it's, it's they, the they still say how many people are on it though. No, it's, it's like, like over five hundred. Th- yeah, it's like it's hundreds, if not like over a thousand. Mm-hmm. That's that's the that's his biggest kill count per movie. Let's be fair. <laughs> but still, generally speaking, like James Bond kills like more than thirteen guys in like any five minutes of gold yeah. Uh Action movies are saying uh, their violence is cathartic, and that's good. Yeah. It's good to commit acts of violence. Uh, slasher movies, at the very least, say, "Yeah, we know you're having fun with this, but we also know it's kind of sick." Yeah, it, uh, it is bad. A, yeah, like we're not like condoning it. You know, uh, like we acknowledge that this would be bad if this happened. Like ISS, Founders Day isn't having fun with it, and it's mm. trying to say something kind of vaguely political, but it's kind of unclear what it's trying to say even even uh, when it all clicks together mm-hmm. and they explain what's yeah. going on and who's been doing what it's basically like oh. yeah. the, the basic premise is there's a small new england town and there is a highly contested local race for mayor mm-hmm. there's a woman who's been mayor for a while and mayor he, gladwell i remember yeah. the character's name she has been everyone thinks she's kind of been dropping the ball or at least half the town does and they want to like this new guy we never actually explain what their policies are. You don't know, like, is one of them conservative or liberal? Does one of them believe in well, this economy or this economy? They're just sort of at odds. And and they're all doing things to score political points. And I think that's one of the, the themes of the movie, is that the politicians are just inherently dishonest. Yeah. That's not a very sophisticated They're just doing it for power. Yeah. Uh, and the, the, the incumbent is just saying, stick with consistency. Don't yeah. change anything status quo. Yay. Yeah. And the other guy, uh, her, um, her challenger is saying, it's time for a change. We need to change these things. And he's also like adopted a bunch of children. <clears throat> Which um, um, I guess they're adopted, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so the the main character is uh, uh, dating. Uh, okay, there's the mayor. There's the guy who's uh, running for mayor, and that guy's daughter is dating a girl, and she's like really like upset at her dad, and she runs off with her girlfriend for a bit, and they talk about well, we have a future together. I'm going away to college, yada yada yada. They're, they're and like then, very seventeen year old conversation. And then someone dressed up like a founding father 
Uh, with a gavel. That's yeah, his weapon. Yeah, the, yeah. A gav- and it's not just a gavel. That would be fine. It's a mallet. It's heavy. Boom. Mm. Scary weapon. It's also a retractable knife, which is ridiculous. <laughs> but whatever. It's putting a hat on a hat there. but yeah. yeah, right? The gavel was enough. He was fine. You had a premise. Um, they kill the candidate's daughter. And now uh, her girlfriend is in the thick of what quickly turns into a serial killer situation Mm -hmm. that's taking over the town as a lot of people who are either jerks or connected to the political scheme of things start being slaughtered. Bad guys start like writing riddles and blood and shit. And you've, you've all kind of seen it before. And, and it's, and like scream at stages, like a whodunit, uh, and and, and all the giallos that scream was, was referencing. And unlike Um, scream, it's extremely obvious whodunit. Yeah. uh, And, and they, what I appreciate is that they tell you whodunit kind of early on. And then, and then there's like additional twists after that. So at least that's that's a fun structure. They try to do a clever Um, thing where it's like, well, even, but even that, I think even the second half of it, I kind of saw coming from really early on. But if, if you've seen scream. Yeah. Uh, and I, I wish Scream would get away from this. Uh, yeah. The first Scream movie, yeah. I, I think it's safe to you know, give away a movie that came out in 1996. Um, I mean, um, the, the new movies all take it as right. read that you know the ending of the original yeah. Scream. So, so we're just um, gonna... The original Scream, it's revealed who the killer is, and then uh, shortly thereafter it's revealed that there were two killers. Yes, which blew my were, fucking mind yeah, which, in the 90s. Which, which they hadn't done in yeah. American slasher films before. So yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, wait a minute. That's why you know this born person got stabbed. It looks like they could be yeah. in two places once. There were actually two of them. Before social media was mm-hmm. what it is today, a movie like Scream could come out <laughs> and be popular for three weeks before I went to see it in theaters and it had not been spoiled. Yeah, yeah that's, the, that's the way it worked. Yeah. And I was I was playing uh, fair with Scream too because I was actually like I was like okay everyone tells me it's got a good ending and I'm not gonna guess who did it so I'm keeping track of like who isn't around whenever uh, the killer is there <laughs> and I was like well everyone's got an alibi at some point how is this possible <laughs> and then they reveal it's two killers and I'm like oh my god fuck you that's so good they, they played fair it was they so good fair, it yeah. was really clever uh, and it tracks too if you pay attention yeah. and watch it like from the killer's perspective uh, they, it all some works. of the things they say yeah, yeah. Uh, and then uh, can't. That one was such a big hit. They rushed Scream 2 into production. There are some people who say Scream 2 is better than Scream. <coughs> You're wrong. It's still uh, good, though. It's a, it's a, for a film that was rushed, it's quite good. Yeah. Uh, but they got the same twist. There's a killer. You don't know who it is. It's the same mask. Mm-hmm. Uh, they kill off some characters you don't think are going uh, yeah. to get killed. And then they reveal at the end, oh, wait a minute, it's two again. Yeah. Two killers. And they've done that almost all uh, the, the other movies, the except only, three. Scream 3, there was only one killer. Yeah, kudos. And, but all the others, there were uh, two killers until the most recent one, there were three. Uh, and they do, and they do nothing clever with that. No, because Scream Six sucks. Oh, I liked it more than you do. <laughs> I, I didn't like it I, at all. I think uh, there's good stuff in it. Okay, there you go. I think the first half is quite solid. I, I, it's a pretty. The whole deal with Scream is that it used to send up these movies, and it just became one of those movies. Well, the problem with the problem with the Scream franchise is that they existed to send up, you know, trends in horror, mm. and trends in horror haven't been something that like the killer in Scream can do for a while now. Yeah, what's he gonna do? Haunt your house? That'd be, like, gra- that'd be great. Well, Are you kidding me? Have a conjuring thing? i just where saying, the killer is Ghostface, like a ghost of Ghostface. I I still maintain that this series should have gone supernatural a while ago. That was what they teased in three, because uh-huh. in three they kept shooting the 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 guy and he would then like run away. Yeah, and it's like, 
And then, like, Randy released that video, like, in the third one, the killer might seem more powerful, and maybe it'll go supernatural, and, like, Dewey's like, he said he'd be invincible this time. <laughs> and I was like, do it! <laughs> do it! Be, be daring. Yeah. Jason Voorhees didn't go supernatural until the sixth movie. The you, sixth! You can do it, it's fine. And uh, no one cares about that. Like, no one was mad. Or if they were, they, they, they've been forgotten now. <laughs> that would... Oh, um, God bless so, them. I wish they'd do that. So, so the, the Scream kind of devolved over the years. It turned mm. from something kind of, like, clever and exciting mm. into just repeating tropes again. And now the tropes they're repeating are just the Scream tropes. Yeah. And it's not exciting I, to watch everyone, at all. Four uh, and five were just someone's trying to remake Scream. Yeah, four, basically. Four, four and five. Four, four, I like four, okay. Four's good. Um, I like five. But they're I, still, I don't like five or six. They're still but, doing... Uh, they're, they're still just, like... Someone's trying to like reboot the original, and then someone's trying to requel the original, which is functionally the same thing. Okay, mm. so we don't actually have anything new. Yeah, there's, there's nothing here. So yeah. that's how I feel about Founder's Day. Yeah. Uh, there's a reason why I went on that really long tangent. Yeah. They pull the same twists as in Scream, yeah. and they have as little to say about slasher movies and tropes and politics as those later Scream movies, which have almost mm. nothing to There's like one cursory conversation in Scream 6 about the horror tropes, and you could cut it and not yeah. lose anything out of the story. Here, here's what I would say that those Scream movies, even the ones you don't like, and honestly, mm. I've, I don't think there are any bad Scream movies. I think Even three, I really defend. Um, some are better than others, uh. but I don't think there's ever been like a turkey. Um, even the lesser Scream movies have great moments, memorable moments, something exciting that they did, a character they killed off that you didn't expect, a particularly cool set piece, something. Founders Day doesn't. There's really nothing yeah. in the movie that stands out as like, oh my god, well, they really thought this scene out, or oh, what a, what a creative kill, or uh, what, a, what a bizarre twist, or a way to reveal the twist, and... No... No. It's really very rote, and there's well, almost something charming about that, as though like if this was like a, a movie you found in the eighties, uh-huh. you know, well, like like the, if, what was that like the second Thursday in October movies you reviewed last year or something like that? Oh, fifth Saturday in October. Fifth Saturday. Fifth Saturday. Fourth Saturday. Actually, fourth, sorry. Fourth. Third. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a there's there, a there's, there, there was a couple of movies that came out last year and they filmed them both at the same time and the idea was is that they were like a straight to video slasher series that was briefly popular in like the 80s and the 90s so uh the first one was called the third saturday in october part five yeah and then the sequel was the first third saturday in october so yeah. they were trying to like play with the tropes a little bit yeah so but basically yeah it's like we we found these old 80s slasher movies that have been completely forgotten and we're going to try mm -hmm. to give you that vibe and and they're, they're not great but like they do yeah. at the very least feel like yeah i mean that would probably be more or less what that would look like you know yeah. and so part part five doesn't get away with it because it's just a bad movie it's like yeah. we found something that looks like a bad movie and we just made a bad movie and yeah. it's not fun to watch the first one at least like pretty was, good. was pretty good it was yeah. like paced a little differently shot a little yeah. bit differently that first one was okay it feels like they uh, made the first right. one and then like the, the the part five was like we can dash this off really quickly because we have the money in the cast yeah and it just doesn't feel like it was like thought out as well yeah. um uh you can do it sorry it's it's quite late um yeah founder's day uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> Put that on the poster. Just uh, Founder's Day. Uh, 
here's is, the deal. Is, I guess try, it's trying to trying to do uh, if it had uh, an exciting kill, if it yeah. had something to say, uh, yeah. if it was at least it, it doesn't feel like it's trying to be like a fun lascivious throwback. Nope. It's trying to play something really straight, and what the, the striking thing about it is actually. Uh, its tone. Um, you, even if you're looking at something like Scream, mm-hmm. Scream is a little bit impish. It's a mm-hmm. playful movie. There's a lot of comedy moments in something yeah. like Scream. Yeah. Uh, that's true of a lot of the better slasher movies. The characters are actually really kind of rich and funny and like have conversations, even as there's mayhem going on around them. <laughs> uh, or the kills are happening so quickly, a lot of them don't realize it yet. Yeah. Founder's Day takes place over a couple of days. Yeah. And somebody gets killed and... The movie stops to mourn, yeah. which you don't get a lot in slasher movies. That's one of the uh, reasons why they take place over a short period of time. Yeah, there's, yeah. Uh, I, I know in um, the the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, there's several funerals <laughs> yeah. throughout that series where characters die yeah. and they go to their funeral and everybody's kind of bummed out. But that's supposed to like, it, it lends an air of tragedy, but also fear. Those are kind of scary movies, or at least that's the tone they're well, going well, also for. Also just the function of um, that story because he kills you when you're asleep. Mm-hmm. You're, there's going to be a day in between each attack, yeah, so it's, they're going to take place over longer periods of time than a typical slasher, no matter what you do. Uh, Founder's Day it might be notable for just how somber it is. Uh, there is so much time where the characters or the whole town square are just outraged and mad and sad about it, and if if the movie had been daring enough yeah. to have like a slasher come out and kill somebody... It's like, oh no, we couldn't find them. And they come out the next night and they kill somebody else and then they catch them. And then the next 80 minutes of the film is just, is the, just morning period. the falling action. That would have been great. That could have uh, been, been an interesting high concept. Yeah, film. because uh, they almost had that with, uh, weirdly, I think Rob Zombie is good at this because he yeah. made uh, in, in uh, Halloween and Halloween 2. Yeah. He rolls into how horrified the people are after the fact. Yeah. Halloween 2 especially, there's a big portion, like the first half of that movie almost, yeah. is just people trying to recover from the violence of the first movie. And he does something really interesting in that too, because the first movie, unlike the original, the, the whole Michael Myers killing people, that's the third act. Mm. That's a really short amount of time. And it really just sells you like, in reality... The amount of time Halloween took place in all those murders, really brief. Mm-hmm. Like, you wake it's up the night, next morning yeah. and you find out you missed all of that, basically, you all, if you were on like, a different street. And there's, like, eight dead people in your, yeah. in your neighborhood. It's yeah. like, yeah. It, 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 he actually captures that suddenness and that mm-hmm. actual, like, oh, man, this is... This happened that fast? Holy mm-hmm. shit. And the main character learns that that's her brother who did yeah. all of that, so it's about her trying to reconcile with that, that her friend, one of her family yeah. members is a murderer. Uh, there's a big portion of Halloween 2 that I really like when it goes into like the abstract stuff with the horse and the murders I love the stuff with the horse and and, and Michael Myers is now a hobo with a bedroll it's like okay what do you have to do between Halloweens not sleep (laughs) what do you what you think he's gonna get a day job somewhere no I know I know in the first movie they comment that he ate a dog yeah like it's they look down ugh what happened oh I must have gotten hungry Um, yeah so he, he has a bit of a survivalist streak in him, I suppose. suppose. Yeah. But why would he have a bedroll? He's just a monster. Just sleep on the dirt in the woods. That's something he doesn't like to be comfortable with, me. Maybe he doesn't sleep. He's kind of kind of supernatural. Well, in, in, in Halloween Ends, he just sort of like recedes into a wall. Yeah. For like a couple of years. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> just becomes part of part of the background. 
anyway. if Founders Day had retained that kind of high concept yeah. and had been about the mourning process in this little town, yeah. maybe that would have been interesting. You but know, sadly, it's I actually kind of not. I actually remember do anything. I actually remember one thing in Founders Day, and because neither of us are recommending you see this movie, no, it, and it's not a twist. It's just the way that they handle a moment, and I yeah. was like, one thing I wasn't expecting. There's one moment because we've all seen you've seen Halloween Kills. Like we, there's like the town is under siege by a killer, paranoia is being stoked. There's a town hall meeting and everyone's angry and yelling. And then someone tries to like stir up the crowd to go in like a like we're all get, let's all get our guns and go get them. And the entire crowd goes, no, <laughs> that's 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 madness. No, we're not doing that. That's a terrible idea. I did appreciate oh, that. That was a you good know what, and, and seeing as this movie came out after Halloween Kills, that's probably which, which is kind bit, of idiocy. Uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't think it's idiocy, but it, over, it oversells that part. Uh, I I kind of like uh, David Gordon Green's Halloween. Yeah, uh, Halloween Kills is abysmal, uh-huh. and Halloween Ends is my favorite one, okay. <laughs> which I know a lot of people don't like. Uh, I I I kind of like David Gordon Green's Halloween. I think Halloween Kills is one of the very best Halloween movies, oh. and Halloween Ends is an interesting idea that didn't come together. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, that's a high concept one because it they, is. They, they kind of take the focus away from Michael Myers. Yeah. And it's about just like Halloween Kills. Uh, yeah. Did. Halloween Kills is just about the mob. No. It's just the mob of people. You know, I, I actually but, I, I misarticulated that. Right. Actually, it's more like it's Halloween Kills takes the the uh, focus off of uh, uh, Laurie Strode. Yeah, yeah, and actually makes it more about the town, which is one of the things I like about it. But anyway, we should move on. Uh, the only other movie we both saw this week was a movie called The Kitchen, mm-hmm. uh, which is not a food movie. No, and it shouldn't be confused with that other film, The Kitchen, which was nope. a mob film. Um, no, this is a science fiction picture. It is, and it's co-directed and co-written by Daniel Kaluuya. Mm-hmm. In, in his directorial debut. Yes. Uh, and Or co-directing debut, I suppose. Uh, and uh, it takes place in the future. The proper future. Not next week. Mm. But, like, far enough away that, like, when you go to a barber shop, they show you what your hair could look like via hologram. Mm. <clears throat> like, little cute little so details like, like, like that. They don't give a year, but it's, like, 50 years in the future. It, it's, yeah. And I, I think we're at a point now where we realize that, like... Because, like, in the mid-20th century or even the early 20th century, when movies imagined... The future, even a few decades into the future, we always assumed there would be these big leaps, right? Like we'd all be living in space and have flying cars and shit. Mm-hmm. And we realize now it's gonna be a little more incremental than that. Yeah. Well, and, you know, uh, when you saw those earlier science fiction movies, and uh, if you kind of look at human advancements just yeah. over the course of human history, yeah. uh, there have been waves of macro technology advancement. Yeah. Travel vehicles, yeah. uh, you know, agrarian well, advancements, yeah. uh, and then there have been booms of micro technologies, right. tools, uh, things you use around the home. Yeah. Uh, we're still in a boom of micro technologies thanks yeah. to like phones and things. But but it's and it's worth remembering that like in the time when like stuff like Metropolis was being mm-hmm. made, um, the vehicular revolution, people actually being able to buy and own cars, mm-hmm. all of a sudden the roads are filled with paved streets. Like there's yeah, a yeah, huge. The, 
actual infrastructural shift that happened all over the world yeah, in a I mean, really fast amount of time. And, and airplanes as well. Uh, you yeah. Go, you go to, again, going back to air and space museums, it's like, the, this is one of the first planes. It was 1905. Right. And this is a, a plane from like five years later. It's like, you're like doing commercial airlines already. Yeah, that it's happened like that fast. Real fast. That happened really, really fast. Mm. And so I get it. That has happened, but it's been a really long time. Mm-hmm. Since we've had a series of technological advancements that changed the landscape, literally, yeah, um, the way that now, it did in the early 20th. Science fiction tends to look at the future from the present because we can't make it at any other time. Right. Uh, so any, any science fiction film you see is going to be extrapolating the future from what it looks like right now. Yeah. Uh, and What if now, but uh, blank. Uh, the Kitchen takes place in future London. In a f- essentially a future housing project. Yeah. Uh, and golly, the production design on this movie is first rate. Mm. I love all the little details. Mm. I love the cramped apartments. Yeah. I loved the way the buildings were structured because it seems like an extrapolation of the fact that apartments are just getting smaller and smaller. Yeah. And the main character uh, is... He's saving up enough money because he wants to get out of the housing project. Yeah. And one of the And he earlier... has to put in like and it's usually when you get like an apartment he has to put in first and last. He's mm-hmm. got to put in like 4 months. Yeah. And be able to prove that he can keep doing that. So he's got to save for a long time just, just to get long, a, yeah. just and... to get the the high-tech equivalent of a shitty studio. And and he keeps getting like essentially spam emails. Are you interested? You're still interested in purchasing this new apartment that you've been saving up for and he, and you know because it's like part of his mirror he keeps on like tapping it while he's brushing his teeth in the yeah. morning. Uh, that's a, he, and he dreams of escaping. Uh, he has the most depressing job in the world. This yeah. guy, uh, he works at a funeral home in the future. When you're impoverished in the future and you can't afford to give your loved ones a funeral, this service can mulch your loved one's body and turn it into a tree. Yeah. Now here's the thing. I kept expecting there to be like some kind of the, twist. The main, where the main you... guy's played by uh, Kane Robinson is the actor's name. Yeah, uh, the character's named Easy. Uh, I kept expecting there'd be some kind of like Soylent Green type twist where mm. you find out that we just throw your body in a bin and we give you a plant. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which is not something that that's not really what the movie is. That's not what they're going for. But it's it's still because he's always hello Luca. <laughs> Luca's pawing at you. Luca's, again. Luca's like nudging me like hey hey remember cats and I do remember cats. Thank you Luca. But um, he's constantly trying to upsell people on funeral packages and mm. it feels like a scam. Yeah. So yeah. it's basically he's got a shitty job selling people things that they don't want or need, mm-hmm. uh, and he's trying to get out of that situation. And then one day he finds out that there's a funeral at his business from someone that he knew, and that woman had a kid, mm-hmm. and that kid has nobody now, and he kind of gloms onto our protagonist who is indifferent to kids and doesn't want to raise kids, and. Eventually, the kid starts hanging out in the kitchen and moves in with him. Will our hero's indifference turn into concern? Well, I think what's going on, it's it's not just that he starts to care about this young kid. The kid's named Benji. Um, yeah. The actor who plays Benji is um, Jediah Bannerman is the actor's name. And, and they're both really good. Yeah, and, and in fact, I, I feel like... Uh, I don't know anything about... Um, Daniel Kaluuya's uh, co-director, unfortunately. His yeah. name is uh, Kibwe Tavares. Um, but I know Daniel Kaluuya as an actor. He's a great actor. I, I think he's an excellent actor. Yeah. And uh, 
you look at his performances, whether he's giving a big or a small performance, he has a very sort of soulful, grounded approach to acting. Yeah. And you can tell he's bringing that and directing other actors that same way. So this actually yeah. has a very grounded, natural tone to it. Right. And I, I'm crediting that to Daniel Coolio, but it could also be his, his co-director. Well, I see. Um, Daniel Coolio certainly didn't stand in the way. Yeah. 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 So uh, everything's really kind of subdued. Everything feel like flows from one... Uh, piece to the next there's no melodrama in this in fact there's after a while it's not it played melodramatically to be, but the, the main plot is kind of arch and well, let's be fair and the main plot actually kind of vanishes for uh refreshing portions of the movie where we mm. just kind of get to hang around the kitchen for a little bit the young kid benji there's a wonderful bit where he goes to a club and he sees a girl and might get his first kiss and all of that's very sweet and has nothing to do with the plot and uh the ultimate plot is uh how Benji falls in with this group of like eco terrorists, like like a revolutionaries. Well, that, that's, are, that's, uh, that's overselling it a little bit. They're basically like trying to protect the kitchen mm. uh, from. And here's the thing about the kitchen: I wish they delved into this a little bit more, explained it a little better. But every once in a while, there's a police raid, and mm. they say they yell things over loudspeakers like "You're all on private property," and I'm like, "Are they?" Are they, did someone buy this land and now they're like not supposed to be, they're a little unclear Mm. about that. But the basic vibe is they're constantly being raided by the The police. There's the police and the police are acting in the interest of rich people Mm -hmm. who don't want poor people to have a place to live. Yeah. Which is relevant. It's, it's relevant. And I, I kind of appreciate that it's abstract. That's like, okay, we don't really know why. All we yeah. know is we're constantly being victimized. And the yeah. reason uh, the, the movie's called The Kitchen is because to warn of a police raid, people just reach pot, pots and pans outside yeah. of their windows and just bang them together. Yeah. So it sounds like a big yeah. kitchen. So yeah. they call it the, the neighborhood The Kitchen because of the police raids. Yeah. Um, it, it has a bit of a vibe of like the Cabrini Green scenes from Candyman. Yeah. Where it just, it, it's kind of like this own microcosm unto itself that has its own rules. Yeah. All of, I really love all of that. Um, I love the characters. I love the way they interact. And I love the arc of the Izzy character because mm. he is, it's not that he's coming to care about Benji, although that's a big part of it. It's more that he's on his way out and he's starting to see, wait a minute, there's actually a lot more to the kitchen and a lot more humanity here than I had really previously considered. Right. I was trying he was to, trying to, he was was trying trying to, to keep flee, out of it. Yeah. And now I'm like kind of torn about this place that yeah. I actually have a little bit of a connection to. I liked all of that. Mm. Um, where it falls down is the plot because the yeah. plot is really hard to follow and I'm not really sure a lot of the motivations for the characters from scene to scene. Each individual scene is excellent. You know, as they string together, they start to become they just sort of start to accumulate after a while. Honestly, you like this movie a lot more than I did. Oh, okay. Um there's things I respect about it. I agree the production design is quite good. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It definitely feels like a realistic portrayal of what a potential future could be uh-huh. uh, in terms of, uh, you know, places for people, places for the haves and the have nots. All of that feels like very thought out and lived in. And I think performances are quite good. There's, there's two things in this movie that, that fall apart. And unfortunately they're kind of the biggest things in the movie. One is that the central plot of it is, I'm sorry, the, the idea of here's a guy, he might have a son, Will he get to know his son? And I know you say that it like digresses a while, so like the kid can go on these adventures. It's all part of the same thing. And honestly, 
that felt very rote to me. Mm. And you, throwing in a few things about like, yeah, and sometimes we shoot our slingshots at drones just doesn't really spice that up. And then, so the, so the basically the central character arcs, well, I would hesitate to call them melodramatic because they're very underplayed. Mm. They're still very arch. And then... It, but that could be okay if that's just a, a means of getting us to explore the world. And the world is vague. But it, don't, it's not. But it's full of detail. It's full of, it's full of incidental detail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The larger scheme of things, what are we really talking about here, is something that it doesn't feel like we're here to explore in a meaningful way. It's mm. in here to avoid in a very, gener- uh, very general way. Mm. Again, haves and have-nots. Then that's something that... Ultimately, Luca, you are just a cuddle bunny who wants cuddles. And he just will not, he's been nudging me this whole time. And reaching out and with his paws just, and kind of like, like kicking me. Like, hey, 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 dad, dad, can you cuddle the cat? I am cuddling you, buddy. I'm cuddling you right now. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Cat Cuddles podcast. Yeah, it's a pretty good podcast. Um, I just feel like it didn't mount much. And ultimately, well, it, mounted, it, it like... was it was kind of interesting to visit the world, but it wasn't. I wasn't particularly interested in visiting the characters, and I wasn't particularly interested mm-hmm. in exploring the the themes that the movie brought up because it didn't do anything terribly interesting with them. Well, I, I think what what's really happening here, and I think why I'm responding to it, is because I I feel like this is this is kind of what I where I would be if I were in a science fiction world. Mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't understand a lot of it. Uh, and that's how we feel on the ground a lot here in the real world. Yeah. Where there's a, there's a lot of these... big things going on. We don't necessarily know how they can act. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we can don't have kind an of, impact on them a lot Yeah, of ways, we, we can't know? really affect them. We can be informed if we like, but we're mm-hmm. still just sort of stringing together vague things. I feel like there's this no is... There's no hero who's going to solve the problem. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, there, there's not... It's not oversimplifying things. It really captures... <laughs> that confused feeling of trying to live a life while all these dramatic things are washing you about. And it's also told from perspective, you know, the Benji characters, he's like, what, 13? He's pretty young. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he uh, is sort of like being swept along with this group of revolutionaries. Yeah. And even he's a little unclear as to why he's doing it. All that they're really offering him is something to do, a place to be. And And if we're just getting it from his perspective and that kind of relief he's getting he doesn't necessarily need a big uh, uh cause to yeah. fight for he because he's already getting it he's yeah, just getting that... people he's spending time with and it's not until at the you know you know as the film starts to climax and more dramatic things happen yeah and he's sort of swept along on one of their raids that he realizes wait a minute this is what they do and he still doesn't know and i think that yeah. confusion is really relevant <laughs> And I think it actually makes the film a lot more dr- dramatically satisfying, at least for me. See, here's the thing. I'm not I'm not asking for this to be Star Wars. I don't want right. to do a Death Star run at the end or anything right. like that. I just feel as though that sense of confusion that you're talking about could be conveyed perhaps... Through... I feel like there's there's so much downtime that there there isn't... Luca. <laughs> Luca, I, I am petting you as we speak. What are we doing? What are we doing here? He wants more attention. He wants to be on a podcast. That's what yeah. he wants. He's a podcast. <laughs> the first person to make that joke. If, if he meows, we're keeping it in the show. Oh yeah, always. Um, I forgot what I was saying. It's okay. Uh, you, I, I'm you not just said you said there was so much downtime. Well, there's so much downtime that I don't get that sense mm-hmm. of chaos and confusion conveyed through the filmmaking. I get it conveyed through the characters just sort of looking confused, and I don't oh, think wow. that I didn't. I didn't get that sense for me. Yeah. All I I, uh, I wasn't confused so much as I was. Not having things explained to me. 
I'll, I'll compare this not quite to the same thing. I'll compare this to another film, which I think does what you're talking about. Uh, it's also about. It takes place in the future. It's also about people who are kind of living in a bit of a disparate situation. Um, it takes place in a world where some cataclysm has clearly happened. And now all wars are just dis- are decided by giant robots. Oh, you're talking about uh, robot jocks. Robot jocks. Yeah. Um, the Stuart Gordon movie, and there are hints throughout that movie mm-hmm. as to what the world, what's happening in the world, because everybody's yeah. impoverished. Yeah, like the there's hero goes where, to see his family, and they have friend, like one hot dog, and they're very like, excited oh, we have today. Meat tonight, like that's clearly rare in this universe. Yeah. Not you know all the. Uh, enclosures, all the living spaces are also really tiny. Yeah. Um, there's like a, a group shot uh, that they keep on cutting back to, and it's just a bunch of people like living in complete filth and poverty. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of po- like propaganda posters in the background, like have children do your part. Like mm-hmm. some clearly the world needs to be like repopulated. Yeah. The, 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 um, all the explanations are in the incidental details. Yeah. 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 Uh, and I feel like maybe for you at least, that's what's missing from something like The Kitchen, mm-hmm. where we get sort of a, a broader scope as to what's going on in the world. Mm. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah like, a little like, bit. What, are, like... what are the revolutionaries well, fighting for? What's their goal? Who are the bad guys that they're fighting against? And it's not so or is much... it just rich people in general? And... It's, it's not so much that I need mm. that to happen, but it's it feels empty to me, mm. narratively, and, and, and in the world that it inhabits, and it isn't filling that with a particularly engaging... Uh, emotional character story that mm. story because it is so formulaic and because it is so underplayed bored me and oh. so i and there was nothing else to pick up my attention yeah, i i feel like given sort of the the like i said these are being made in the present uh this is this this is uh this is a post-trump movie par oh, sure. you know, writ large because it is about uh Understanding that you're living in a world of oppression and chaos, not really understanding where it's all coming from, mm-hmm. and being completely angered by that, and mm-hmm. not really having much of any recourse. Right. There's not a lot you can do. All you can do is sort of like act out, commit acts of violence, but you're not doing anything. Yeah, you're not accomplishing anything yeah, and, meaningful. And, and I f- that, yeah. So I feel like there's a certain uh, note of helplessness, like really true, true real life helplessness. That this movie is capturing. Yeah, I just don't necessarily feel like it's um, it's pervasive enough to feel like it was worth the the, the very uh, long journey to get there. It wasn't uh, very long. It, it felt was, long. It's about a two hour film. It felt a little long. less than two hours. It felt long. <laughs> okay. Um, I really like this. Movie. Here, here, here's my elevator pitch for the kitchen. Uh, it's District B thirteen without the parkour or fights. Fine. Fine. Yeah. Action is is the most boring part of an action movie, anyway. (laughs) Who am I talking to? We already had this conversation. (laughs) All right, the last conversation... uh, Last conversation. Well, the last review we're going to do is one movie only I saw. I didn't get to see this one, so... Yeah. Uh, This is a movie called... Converse at me. This is the movie called The End We Start From, and like two of the other movies we reviewed this week, uh, it is uh, an apocalyptic film. Uh, I'm of the belief that there are only three categories of films. <laughs> there are post-apocalyptic movies, movies that take place after the apocalypse, your Mad Maxes, if you will. There are pre-apocalyptic movies, which is most other movies. Like Philadelphia Story, pre-apocalyptic. All the President's Men, pre-apocalyptic. They're all the same. And then there's apocalyptic movies, which take place in that transitional period. During the apocalypse. And in my estimation those movies are either incredibly ridiculous like Roland Emmerich 2012 kind of shit Uh or they're incredibly depressing 
because it's about seeing the actual downfall the, the, the of society. The world fall. It, it's, yeah. the, the history of humanity as we know it is not an abstract concept. It is something that we're watching decay in front of our eyes. Uh, and that's an incredibly disheartening thing to watch. Uh-huh. And this is a very good movie about it. Uh, it stars Jodie Comer uh, as a woman who, uh, at the beginning of the movie, she gives birth while her house is flooding. Okay. Uh, the UK good, is... Good symbol there. All right. Yeah. The, the UK is... Uh, climate change has hit uh, in a very uh, overwhelming way, and the entire country is flooding. <clears throat> Everything that is above sea level, people are clamoring to get in, uh, and the cities are flooded, and they're full of dead people, and it's just a fucking disaster. Uh, and initially, they're able to get out of town, her and her husband... <clears throat> And they're staying with his parents. And then one day they go out for supplies and they don't come back for days. And when they do come back, only two of them come back and they're traumatized and they don't want to talk about it. Okay. Ouch. Uh, eventually, the people who are Jodie Comer and her son's like support system... Fade away. <laughs> Peel okay. off. Until it's just her and the kid. Trying to figure out how to survive in a country that is eating itself. Where resources are increasingly non-existent. It's like Time of the Wolf where we never learn what the apocalypse is. Well, I mean, it's climate change. But All basically, right. yeah. Um, and, um, yeah. And it's about her coming to terms with that. And trying to survive. At no point in this movie, there's like one scene in the movie where there's like people with guns come in to like take some stuff. But at no point does this movie ever feel like a genre entertainment. Okay. It's never sold as like, look at how cool this is, look at how exciting this is, even if it's scary. It's always a fucking bummer. <laughs> and let's be honest here. There's some of us who... We've lost interest in the movie just hearing that. That's not why we see movies. I get it. That's not why I typically go to a movie in the first place when I'm just watching a movie for fun. Mm. But this is a very good example of it. And it is incredibly uh, uh, bleak, but it is also incredibly uh, very rich. Jodie Comer it gives a wonderful performance. Catherine Waterston shows up halfway through the movie. As oh, I another, like Catherine Waterston. Yeah, yeah, as another single mother with a baby, and they All become right. traveling partners for a while. And she just steals the movie for, <laughs> for like 40 minutes. She's fantastic. She, she She's good, but she's in a lot of bad movies. Like, yeah. I can tell. Like I want to see her in something great. Yeah, it's been, it's been a bit. She, she started off in a bunch of really, really great movies, and then she hit like, like Alien Covenant, and when was the last time we saw her? Wasn't she... Also in those, like, Fantastic Beasts movies. Oh, she was yeah. in those. Those are not. Oh, like, except barely in the last one. Yeah, they, like, they wrote her out for some reason. Yeah, she was like, she was like, like two shots in the last movie, and she was one of the protagonists. And you get the impression, something happened behind the scenes there. And, uh... Mm, those movies are terrible. <laughs> absolutely fucking miserable. Um, But she's wonderful here. And... It feels... You said yourself, though, like, sci-fi is... We see it through the lens of today, because that's what we have. The tales we tell of what's to come reflect our... They're tales of what's happening now. tales of what's happening now, or at least our anxieties about it, our Mm. fears, at the very, very least. And if we're being perfectly frank, it is extremely easy to look at the news, 
social media, any number of world events, politics, local, micro and macro, and say to ourselves... It's all falling apart. It's all fucking falling apart. I saw on the news uh, uh, today that... Uh, they a bunch of people were on a plane and people looked at at the wing and saw that the wing didn't have rivets in it. Like somehow, like the bolts that attach one part of a wing wing mm-hmm. to another, they they didn't have those bolts, and it took the people, the passengers, to say something for them to ground the plane. That's not the way that's supposed to work. Oh, no. That's that's yeah. things are not functioning. And, and there's there's a place for that. In fact, you look at a lot of our more recent apocalyptic entertainment, and yeah. it has that world yeah. falling apart feeling to it. Yeah. yeah uh, I haven't seen uh, The Last of Us, but it's called yeah. The Last of Us, I mean, so yeah. I can kind of infer that. Um, there, a movie came out a couple of years ago, which I, I liked, and I know you, you really hate it. It was called um, It Comes at Night, which yeah, is about the, these, like these weird, vague things that are just sort of creeping in and rotting at our brains. And It's it's, it's, it's a virus movie, it, basically. It's it's a virus movie. It's really yeah. abstract. It's more about mood than incident. Um, I like movies like that, but... Uh, mm. I, I, like, I, I like them when they're done well, mm-hmm. and I don't know, we don't always agree on when they're done well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, th- this notion that uh, just there's something out there it's making us insane and it's yeah. making the world end and yeah. all we can do is watch the decay I just the, the, and entropy thrillers I feel like the the apocalyptic movies that we're getting right now mm-hmm. are different tonally than what we've had in different generations past when you look at like the post-apocalyptic stuff from the 80s which always yeah, imagine the stuff nuclear no, nuclear devastation yeah, we, we yeah. imagine there'd be a nuclear war and then Everything is suddenly a desert and everyone has cool cars. Like, that's immediately what we assume. It would just be this huge, sudden shift, right? I feel like we've been watching so much collapse, whether it's actual collapse or just our faith in systems collapsing, that the idea that it would be (coughs) sudden and then we could move on to, like, a new phase in our lives, it's hard to jump to that. Mm Mm-hmm. So many post-apocalyptic movies are about the fantasy of, yeah, but you'd survive. They're, they're Lord of the Wasteland fantasy. Yeah. I like, think that's why zombie movies are so popular. Yeah. Because you imagine can, you'd be one of the survivors, not, not one of the zombies. Not, not only would you be one of the survivors, but you'd be the most capable survivor. You'd be the smart one you'd who doesn't one, make yeah. the big mistakes. And, and yeah, you, you'd make the good decisions. You'd get all the cool cars. And, oh, you get to murder. Yeah. Uh, you have guns and you get to shoot people in the head. They're zombies, but that's so an excuse, isn't it? That's, yeah. You know, that, that makes your murder morally right. Yeah. Because they're monsters now. But it's a whole different, like, paradigm of life. Mm-hmm. And this isn't about that part afterwards in fact at the end of the movie it's it's uh, you know it's not like 100 percent clear is civilization over can we rebuild there's a bit of a question mark the, the title the end we start from is referring to the movie mm-hmm. it's that moment where we realize we're fucked yeah. and where we go from we're fucked but if we just you know stand our ground you know fight our way through it at the end of this thing we're going to be okay right and we realize after a while we're not going to be okay. Even if we survive, we're not going to be okay. It's not the same as it was. Yeah. We have ruined it. And coming to that realization with Jodie Comer, with Catherine Waterston, and how people come to different you know ideas about what kind of life are we going to live after all of this, if we live, uh, that has a different level of potency than... 
what's the safest place to hole up in a zombie holocaust? Yeah, yeah. So, I thought it was right potent. I thought it was excellently done. It's it's a little longer than it needs to be, but it's in service of something really excellent. Okay. So, I, I really like this one a lot, and I do recommend it. Uh, so, uh, let's review some movies on the critically acclaimed scale. All right. Uh, we review movies on a scale of C- minus to C+. Plus. Uh, where a C plus is a movie we recommend that's above average, barely, but it is. <laughs> C is average, you know. If you if you like that genre, maybe you like it more than other people or less or whatever. But you know, it's just sort of you know, okay. And then there's C minus. That's below average. Those are movies we don't recommend. <laughs> so, on that note, the end we start from. Um, it's a C plus. It's okay. not my most enthusiastic ever, but it it put me on an interesting journey. I met some interesting people and I had some depressing but meaningful thoughts okay. as a result of the narrative. Uh, and I can't deny that. That's a good movie. Yeah. Um, Winnie, uh, I, th- I think I know what you're going to say, uh, but tell me about The Kitchen. Uh, it's it's a dispassionate C+. It's not one of the okay. best films of the year, but I really love the production design. Put that on a poster. A dispassionate, a dispassionate C+. C+. Plus. <laughs> well, we, we came up with our, uh, our grading system uh, specifically so they could never put it on poster. Yeah. C+, recommend. Wait a minute. Give it a C+. Plus. Um, uh, no, I, I like the production design a lot. I, I just love the atmosphere of the movie. I love the tone. I love kind of how downbeat and natural it was. I loved all the performances. I love all, all the actors. And and I did kind of like that feeling of being lost. Uh, could I really tell you what the plot of the movie is? Not really. Yeah. Uh, the plot is the, the least important part of it. But, you know, when it comes down to it, plot isn't why we necessarily go to the movies. That's sure. sort of the thing that just we use it to sort of glue these things pieces together and i feel yeah. like just having those pieces is satisfying enough a cinema experience yeah. so, I, 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 so i give it a, a, a c plus just for those reasons i disagree i think it needed some glue uh, right. i'm gonna give it a dispassionate c minus okay <laughs> uh just because listen there's a, there's stuff i admire in it i do think the production design and the realization mm-hmm. of a semi-futuristic world feels very plausible and I think that's a very admirable quality Uh, I think the performances are good if somewhat downplayed uh, but I felt that the world that it created didn't have enough inherent uh, uh, drama in it to take away from the fact that the main character story is extremely familiar and doesn't really add anything new to that Mm. so ultimately I was bored by it but it's not a complete wash and there are at least elements that I like uh, Founder's Day is a C minus. Founder's Day is very much. It's, a C-. It's not a good movie. I've I've seen worse, but oh, I've seen that's a, I've, that's a low bar. I've seen much worse, but just because there are yeah. other C minus movies doesn't make this not a C minus. It, it's movie. frustrating because by definition, but like, not by definition, by sort of like the 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 dint of its existence, it feels like it should be a C mm. just because it's going through the motions and it's not incompetent at any of them. Mm. No, it's it's slickly made. It's just yeah. not interesting. It's just it's it's one of those things where. Your competence is less interesting than interesting badness. Right. And if you had been sloppier, this might have been more entertaining and maybe even more interesting and have more salient themes. But because you're just doing it like middle of the road slick, it ends up just making no impression. And that's a real bummer. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, ISS. ISS. It's, it's a... I'll give it a low C. Okay. Uh, it's not... I feel like because of its high concept and because all of its cool sort of spacey visuals, yeah. it's not a um, and and its interesting concept, all of yeah. that is is good. All of that's good, and the yeah. performances are good. It's a decent thriller. Yeah. Uh, 
I, I, I it's poised to do so much more and it doesn't do it. And that's the frustrating part about yeah. it. But ultimately it's a, an okay thriller and I can't yeah. sort of throw, throw the dirt out with the bathwater. No, this so, is the, so it's a C. Yeah. This is definitely a C. Mm-hmm. This is a movie that, um, again, I, I appreciate the, the premise is great. The cast mm-hmm. is great. Uh, it, it's, I, I wouldn't say it was ever bored, although I do think it outstays its welcome a little bit. Um, it feels like if this was made by someone angrier, mm. it would have had more bite. Yeah. Not just in the events that transpire on screen, but also in what they say about humanity and politics. Yeah. Uh, it just feels like it does, never quite goes that extra step. But it's it's certainly competent, and I suspect this is the kind of movie that if you miss this in theaters, and then you see this on home video somewhere, and you're going to watch it and go, oh, that was pretty good. <laughs> but like that that's when like your standards are lower and you just want to click on something and watch something while you're eating dinner. Like mm. then it's it's okay. It's January. <laughs> is basically my point. Yeah, and January is going to keep going into February oh, this year. Because we got shit like Madam Web still oh, coming. Oh, I'm looking forward to Madam I, Web. I, I really want to. My, my wife and I have a date to see Madam <laughs> Web. Like we're, we're we're making a point to see Madam Web. We have a new Diablo Cody horror comedy, written horror comedy yeah, called Lisa, Lisa Frankenstein. Frankenstein. I'm interested. Like, mm. but here's the thing: the the January movies we're getting in February. <laughs> Argyle. Are, are, they, they seem more like they're having fun uh-huh. and the January movies we're getting in January with the exception of the beekeeper are not yeah they're weirdly downbeat and like just not trying to grab your attention mm-hmm. and it's kind of a shitty shitty month and uh <laughs> next time on critically I don't even know what the hell's coming like nothing is coming out next week what is like seriously? What is coming out? There's like one like major new release, and it's a movie that I, I keep seeing on lists of things, and I cannot for the life of me remember <laughs> what the hell it is. Like I've I've read that Miller's Girl. What? Yeah, that's that was my re- every time I see this thing on a list because I keep thinking to myself, oh, I should keep track of what's coming out. Uh, Miller's Girl, a creative writing assignment, yields complex results between a teacher and his talented student. Okay. Stars Martin Freeman and Jenna Ortega. That's a good cast. Is anyone talking? About, I haven't seen a trailer. Nothing. It, it's just it's just seeping out. And I think it's what's happening is that this is we're, we're recording this the night before uh, the Academy Award nominations are announced. So if you're asking right. yourself why aren't Bibbs and Whitney talking about that, it's because we recorded this the night before. Like they're literally announcing it in like five hours. Um, I think they're getting out of the way so that the Oscar movies can, like, soak up the money. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it's also worth noting in January that we both missed Mean Girls, which did at least look like it was trying to be fun. That's true. Yeah. 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 It was a January release. There was, um, was no... I actually... The I, musical yeah. remake of Mean Girls. Yeah. I was going to go see it, and then I had to go to another screening instead because I was had to review that for a publication. It was, it, it was so another I, timing thing. Yeah, yeah. it's whatever. I will see it. I am curious. So, if like, when we're complaining about how downbeat... All the January movies were, except for The Beekeeper. We miss Mean Girls. Sorry. Uh, so, yeah, next week... Well, Honestly, we'll, there's we'll a see dec- what we see. We'll see what we see, and if it's if it's really nothing, we might... Uh, uh, might be a good opportunity for us to do The Iron List. We'll do Which an Iron List, do- or, or we'll do, like, a maybe a special Oscars catch-up, if, yeah. if we're so inclined. We'll do something. Uh, yeah. uh, but in any case, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for joining us. 
Thank you. We think you're marvelous. Uh, it's been a bit of a rough week uh, for us, like a lot of like personal stuff. Whitney was traveling. Mm. I had the flu. Ugh. The flu sucks this year. Get vaccinated. Get, Ser- get, if you get, haven't get already, get that. Va- yeah, yeah. It's bad enough, even if you are. Like it sucks. So um, take care of yourself. Uh, feel free to send us an email. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. Whitney, what is our P.O. box? Send us a physical letter to the Critically Acclaimed Network, P.O. Box 641565, <clears throat> Los Angeles, California, 90064. We recorded an episode of We've Got Mail shortly before I got sick and Whitney left, and then I got sick and I couldn't post it, and there was not a good time. So that, that slightly backlogged episode will go up in a day or two. So yeah, there we'll, is one coming. We'll have it for you. Um, and uh, ba 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 We're on social media at Critic Acclaim. I'm at Wayne Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibel. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. Uh, and that's where we have ad free episodes of our new show, early episodes of Thank Godzilla It's Friday, and a whole bunch of exclusive shows, like literally hundreds mm. of episodes of exclusive shows that can all unlock for you if you go to patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. So that's that. Thank you, everybody, once again. And that's it. That, 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 that's it. Everyone's a critic. I want to go to the midnight show. I'm sorry, what? <laughs>